And welcome to JS Life, an aspirational podcast. I am Patrick, and here with me, as always, is Hayden. And today we have an awesome guest who uh, we have the privilege of talking to, Ian Chi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Of course, and thanks for responding to my DM. I'm incredibly curious about your career. I think you have um, a path here that a lot of people would be interested in and very jealous of. So I'm excited to get into it, hear about your history, and and, uh, talk about the new stuff you got going on. Dude, thanks for thanks very much. I mean, I've I've had I've been all over the place and uh, happy to happy to talk about anything everything with you guys, but yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I guess we'll start in the most obvious place, which is just uh your the, story the beginning. and then, uh yeah, yeah. The beginning. Oh my gosh. There's there's so many ways to to frame this, but but for for those, you know, I guess just just to give a little brief introduction. I've I've always been into media filmmaking and so i made my first film in middle school and that's when i kind of got hit with the bug of filmmaking and you know for me growing up film has been always the most immersive medium just to feel things and realize things and it's it's something that was so powerful to me experientially and so got serious about it in high school and in college and continued making my own things and um you know i mean i'm i'm interested in many other things too like like uh you know, grew up in a church and had a spiritual background and, mm-hmm. um, you know, reading a bunch of books and things like that. But anyways, went off to college, uh, studied religion just because it was something I was interested in while I was making films, you know, still wanting to get into the, the film industry. And when I graduated, you know, I, I found myself doing some freelance work for, um, you know, different brands, doing some branded docs some commercials and such. Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, probably the, the the thing that you know most people people would most recognize if, if they're on YouTube or interested in the the new media spaces, uh, I joined this uh, company called Jubilee about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I joined, it was maybe about like 250k subscribers or so. And the past three years, um, that's where I've been. We've we made a bunch of web series for primarily Gen Z and millennials too, but you know, with the, all with the aim of creating meaningful content that also goes viral. So things that go viral, but also, you know, slip in some block broccoli in there and Trojan horse some people with some good empathy. <laughs> yeah. And so that's been the past uh, couple of years. And, and recently I left to kind of make my own business and in, in the new year, but, but that's, that's my kind of high level journey so far. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me about your, your time at Jubilee? You started when they were pretty small then and they've become like a massive mm-hmm. channel. So that, that's how I found you. I, I found that channel mm-hmm. probably two or three months ago and I just kind of binged all the videos. It was really interesting. It, nice. it reminded me of sort of a better, more, I guess like a, a higher brow version of uh, the cut. If you've ever seen those videos. Mm-hmm. Sort of oh like, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's sort of definitely. a similar format where you bring people in, kind of do social experiments. It's like, Totally. The good side of reality TV, I think, like where yeah. you're actually creating interesting content with real people, which is sort of the promise of reality TV that got ruined by The Bachelor. But, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's that's the promise of it. That's 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 the, the totally. good angel. Uh, side. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. It's to learn. A, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it, it's an interesting niche we found ourselves in. I, I didn't even know that it, the Jubilee, the channel was going to become like this. You know, it it. um I mean, the whole reason I joined was because I was working on kind of more, you know, the commercial stuff as a freelancer. And I just didn't find it fulfilling to spend so much of my time, you know, making things that pushed, you know, products that other people made. And I I wouldn't even know where these commercials went. It would go off to agencies and the marketing agencies. And there wasn't really much of a connection with an audience. And so 
when I met this guy, Jason, you know, Jason had started Jubilee back in 2010 as a nonprofit. And it was originally a place where there was a lot of short films made, you know, for the Asian American community and kind of a Christian background. And um, when the two co-founders that he worked with uh, left, he then, you know, did a lot of soul searching and, and decided, hey, you know, let's switch this up so it's broader than just the Asian American community. There's something we can do here to just, you know, make some meaningful things for young people that inspire people to uh, go off and do their own good things, you know, not in such a goody two-shoes way as a nonprofit, but let's actually scale, you know, let's make some profit here and, you know, bring in some talented content creators and, you know, try and explore what it means to make media for this for youtube i mean you know this thing is yeah. growing like super fast and at the time it was for a leap into the dark for me i didn't even know you know what this would turn into i was just kind of curious because you know we get to interact with our own audience right and i'm you know going into the future it's like having your own community audience is so important just because it just gives you so much more leverage in terms of your creative freedom and what you want to do and if you want to make things you know, with other partners or whatnot, or people want to hire you, you're doing it in your own voice instead of doing someone else's work, right? Because usually as a freelancer, you're hired gun. So, you know, it's it's usually not your money. But that's what appealed to me, having our own creative freedom. And so when we got into it, um, we didn't even know what the channel was, what direction to take it. But probably, probably the first six months was just a lot of experimenting, of throwing a lot of different formats against the wall. Bunch of them failed, but a few formats started to take hold. And the first one that, you know, kind of uh, caught fire was this format called Middle Ground. Yeah. And that's a format where, so for folks who are, aren't familiar, it's, it's, it's not exactly a debate show, but it's where we bring three people together from one side of an issue and three people from another side, you know, radically oppositional views such as like pro-life, pro-choice, or, you know, atheists and Christians and, I think it's because we live in such a, you know, polarized time, at least what it seems like on, on you know, mainstream media that, you know, this really started to catch fire and, and young people started to watch this a lot just to hear dialogue of different sides coming together to share their perspectives. So um, as we honed in our voice, we realized, hey, there's a really big space here to create a lot of content that really pushes, you know, the mission of empathy, which is, I think, what we need a lot today of just bringing people together and you know, not kind of labeling other people as just, you know, uh, other, right? Actually validating them as a human being, you know, telling their story so we realize, you know, where, why they're coming from, where they're coming from, even on the surface level, what they say might seem crazy. Um, but if you look underneath the surface, it's, it's not as crazy as you, you thought it'd be. So, so yeah, it's the mission, you know, through now and kind of going into the future is, is you know, to create an ecosystem for empathy, you know, not just through YouTube content, but through feature films and podcasts and merchandise and whatnot. And so, um, you know, on the, on the surface right now, most of the world knows Jubilee through the YouTube channel, but, you know, going forward, you know, Dis, you know, Jason always uses Disney as the, the prime example of you want, we want to create a, you know, an ecosystem essentially that is kind of like a whole support system for, for empathy. Yeah. To bring people together. Very cool. <clears throat> that sounds fascinating. Uh, I want to circle back on a couple on um, two, two terms you mentioned. You said, uh, we would include some broccoli and some Trojan horses as, as <laughs> yes, pertaining to, a, to, 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 to virality. Uh, so I'm totally. curious to get, to get your position or what you think about virality, what makes things go viral. And then also please uh, yeah. sort of explain what those terms are and then any other sort of social, I mean, any, any other things along those lines? Cause I feel like those are, uh, those are really fascinating to discuss. 
Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's been a process of iteration for us discovering how to create, you know, content that, you know, that overlap between meaningful and empathetic and viral. And sometimes it seems like a constantly moving target. But the first thing that we think about when, you know, a director or a creative comes up with an idea, like we literally use this question to kind of examine if this is something that we can bring value to a lot of people in an entertaining way. Is this something a 12-year-old in the middle of nowhere like Idaho would click on and be interested in watching and watch all the way through? And so it's a matter of, you know, for example, like when... There's always a, uh, let's see, like the first ever middle ground, I think, was between probably like Christians and atheists. And like, you know, you obviously you want to kind of start every episode like kind of kind of breaking the ice between people and just making it savvy or interesting. And so I think at that time, like the first prompt was like, you know, pineapple belongs on pizza or something like that. Like something completely random, but just like everyone can relate to, you know what I mean? That's like a slightly off topic from the, you know, issue at hand, which is like the religion atheist thing. But for example, like, uh, you know, we had a spectrum with men and women, but it's like, what's something that we all are familiar with that would just be interesting to hear about? And uh, one, uh, one of the, you know, example prompts was like, you know, uh, it's true that, you know, sex with dudes with bigger penises is better, you know, <laughs> this, this stereotype mm-hmm. that everyone has heard of and is, you know, maybe is, you know, somewhat slightly taboo, like everyone has kind of heard us before, like it's probably in the back of their minds, but they don't bring it to the forefront. So it's like, what's the most common denominator thing that relates to the issue that can spark the discussion that can allow us to go deeper? You know, instead of just starting deep right away, because, it, you know, if you start deep right away, it can go over people's heads or it's just not accessible to folks. Um, so it's been amazing. We've gotten calls from like, you know, parents who's like sixth graders are watching, you know, discussions about, you know, the the differences between, you know, the communism, and capitalism. And they're like, how did you guys get these middle schools to get <laughs> interested in these conversations? We're like, eh, you just I don't know. You got to you got to boil it down to very simple language and and, and make it sexy. So. Yeah, we think about yeah. that a lot. How did how did you find the uh, the guests? Yeah, I was going to ask that same thing. <laughs> the screening process, like, uh, yeah, I will say one of the fun things about this channel because we live in LA and you guys filmed in LA. I actually recognize mm-hmm. some of the people on the show from oh, like nice. dating apps and yeah. stuff. I was <laughs> like, oh, I met her. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. funny. Yeah. It's it's been a process. In the beginning, it was literally just friends. And actually, the first middle grounds, like I went on Craigslist, and you know, we at this point, we don't even know what this format of the show is and what's going to actually work or not. In my mind, I was like, we got to get the most radically loud, obnoxious people, <laughs> <laughs> contentious, yes, yeah. interesting, like just dense, full of charisma. And so, I went on Craigslist, and I remember just t- searching the keyword Christian. And I remember I, I found this like one dude who was like a super hardcore, um, like creationist kind of dude who was, you know, he really into science and, you know, studying fossils and things like that. And, you know, that, that was a, quite an experience anyways. But anyways, yeah, I mean, just, just, just people who seem to have a, a uniquely like, <laughs> how, do, how do I put this sharp or, you know, very protruding kind of way of speaking about their view. With the beginning approach until we realize, like, okay, there, there, there's a lot of contention here. Maybe it's better to have a, a spectrum for each of the three. So now, you know, after some time and seeing what works is, you know, you want to get um, diversity of folks just in terms of, like, represent representation. Um, but also in terms of perspectives, usually, 
you know, a good balance is someone who is very, very, you know, hardcore, like, um, you know, has kind of had the same belief their entire life and that that's their, you know, that's their thing that they really stand for and, and mm-hmm. able to speak their view. And then one who has maybe like converted, for example, used to be on the side is now on this side and has a little bit more of a, you know, a story of like evolution and change. And one person who's maybe like some kind of figurehead or has an intellectual view. Um, and there's a couple other pillars, I think. It, it depends on, you know, it depends on if we get two people like this, a third would be nice like that. So there's a lot of discussion behind the scenes of which three kinds of people would, would kind of represent you know, you know, the, the, the broader demographic, it's, it's extremely difficult though. You're essentially trying to get like three people who represent like, <laughs> like millions or tens of millions. Right. So it's, you're never going to be a hundred percent on the mark, but it, the idea is you want to just open the door to start the conversation for a lot of people. Yeah. I will say it, it never, at least in the filmed finished product, like it never gets very contentious. Everything's pretty good faith. Like, is that a matter of yeah. editing and, uh, occlusion, good, omission? Good, or, or good oh, <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, thank goodness. We've never actually had like anything like really bad happen on set. I mean, obviously there has been some shouting, some taking some breaks, you know, water breaks and, you know, kind of like uh, talking it out and things like that. But, um, I think uh, th- that's just kind of a huge kudos to our casting team. So Kendra, I don't know, Kendra Okareke, if you're listening, love you, doing an incredible job. And then screening by the directors, you know, we have a process of asking questions beforehand just to kind of like uh, gather people's stories, you know, know what their life experience is like and what they're going to say. You know, not exactly the questions that you see on screen of the final product, but you know, mm-hmm. trying to get an idea of just where they're coming from and how they're going to present themselves. And it's tricky. You really have to just read people and kind of get a sense of how they'll act when they're with other certain types of people so it's a lot of just internal you know future role play i guess and you know collectively try to discuss together how this might go yeah i imagine you would like with the live swiping or the dating stuff uh or even i guess the other formats too i imagine you would film like five in a day and then kind of just if all five work out we'll post all five if two of them work out we'll post those two is that is that sort of how you do it Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we do it in batches. And so it depends on the difficulty of the shoot, just logistically speaking. But yeah, definitely try to shoot probably like, I mean, the ratio of how many we shoot, to how many we release, um, you know, uh, from my experience is probably like, you know, usually we'll film like six to eight or so, I would say in a batch. And then of that, we'll probably not release one or two. And if, if everything goes well, we'll release everything. But not releasing is also it's it's not it's not just that the conversation might not go well, but it's also, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just various other factors of just quality in terms of, is this entertaining enough for, you know, people, is this going to actually have value? So there's a, there's a screening process there with each edit, just kind of amongst the creatives, just giving honest feedback with each other, if whether or not it's actually reaching the bar. Very cool. Uh, I'm curious to learn some of your perspectives or learnings with regard to growing a channel, whether that means when you post, how you post, thumbnails, any tips, tricks, hacks, things that have been big unlocks along the way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could go on about that, dude. So I've, I've, I mean, the, I mean, my perspective has always been quality over quantity. And so there's something, you know, it, it, YouTube officially doesn't talk about this, but I know for sure as a fact, just seeing the data and what has happened on the channel that, you know, each channel kind of has a hotness rating, if you will. And so if your recent videos have been doing well and you release another video, the algorithm will push that video more 
than if your past videos haven't been doing well, even if your latest video is like amazing. So it's a matter of consistency and momentum. You want to you want to only release things that you know will have true value and like bring value to you know your specific audience because if one video does poorly, it'll drag the entire channel down, and the whole channel won't be pushed by the algorithm. And so it's 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 quality. And then the other thing is, man, on YouTube you're you're literally competing against you know an infinite just massive growing library of content and thumbnails all the time, and so you have to stand out. And, you know, it's essentially about getting people to click in and getting them to stay, right? That, that's kind of what the platform is optimized for, as well as just how to get people to stick around and watch. So the two things that I would, you know, recommend to folks to really study and master is um, packaging, which is the thumbnail and title, and then retention, which is like just keeping the video engaging and valuable. And the two data points to pay attention there is click-through rate, uh, CTR. And then, yeah, retention, you know, there's a graph that kind of shows you when people drop off the video, you know, where they're watching until. And then in particular, you want to make the beginning of the video frame it up so that people are sticking around and have a reason to stay, which means at the beginning, you know, put in the, put in a hook in there of something that happens later down the road or make sure there's a payoff at the end that, you know, you don't know until you get to the end and there's a reveal or, you know, tell people exactly what they're going to get so that you know they stick to the entire video and kind of get value at each you know each minute or each two minutes so it's it's really about clarity uh and uh peaking curiosity for people they need to know exactly what they're going to get from the title and thumbnail and then when they come in they need to get what they came for and it needs to be you know high value you can't just you know tell people they're going to get something amazing and just give them something else, right? It's, uh, the master of this is Mr. Beast. He's he's the absolute just guru of huh. doing this. So I'd, I'd recommend people just study Mr. Mr. Beast's thumbnails and titles. It's uh, his man. He yeah, he's really he's really nailed it. He's he's on a totally different level. He's gained like what like, I don't even know like more than ten million subscribers like this past year or something crazy. Probably way more Jesus. than that actually. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is fun. I'm actively being transformed before Hayden's very eyes from an ignorant hey. consumer. <laughs> into, <laughs> like I know exactly what you're describing. I know the little clips of like eighty uh, percent through the video that appear at the start of the video, and then it's you guys at the end saying like, "Hey, click this," or advertising something else. Like, yep. yeah, the packaging is very interesting. How it all comes together. Super, like, even even the look and feel of it. Everybody wears white V-necks. It's like it's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's like everything yeah. is very intense. I'm getting the sense. I wanted to ask you because I know I know that like you had been there during a massive growth period for the channel and and yeah. like a very integral part of that. Like, how do you rank that joy of like maybe that first video that took off for you guys or that first series mm -hmm. that like oh shit every middle ground we post is taken off and you know we have like mm -hmm. a legitimate business here like. Um, yeah. What, what's that? I mean, I'm at, I'm at, I equate it to like that scene in every fucking startup movie. Like, oh my god, we hit a million uh, visitors, <laughs> <laughs> like something like yeah, that. Yep, you yep. know, there's always that scene it's in like the Hollywood uh, story it's of a business. Um, uh, sorry, I mean, was it me? like living in that movie? Hello. Oh, I lost you for a second. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Did now? You, yeah. Did you hear my question? Yes, I, th I think I missed the last part when we hit the jackpot, right? What's that? What's that feel like, essentially? Yeah, what's that feeling like, and does it ever kind of go away or dissipate, or you know, does the bar keep getting higher? And whereas a million views was a big deal to you, now it's just like ah, shit, only a million. You know what I mean? What's what's that? Yeah, what's that growth know, period like. 
that that's interesting. I mean, it's like any other growth in life when you're kind of getting what you're going for. There's like that initial adrenaline and that juice you get of that 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 ego, like yeah, I'm like I'm I'm the we're doing it, like we figured it out, and then you know you you, you know and then. It becomes normalized after a certain period, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah. you know, and then, and then you try to do the same thing again. It's not working, and you, you figure out that this is not a you know formulaic game. There, you, you got to keep innovating and kind of you know keep pushing. And I think you know if I were to kind of change things up for our team personally, you know what I would do is it's so easy to disassociate you know these massive numbers like million, ten million, like a billion views uh, with like human souls. It's like, you know, once in a while we'd have these engagements with students at like colleges or like, a, you know, we had like this three million subscriber boba party at Boba Guys where we actually got to meet <laughs> the subscribers and realize yeah. that they're humans. It's like, oh, my gosh, like they would tell us these stories about they watch this one video and it like changed their whole perspective about like, you know, abortion or like communism or whatever. And it's like, oh, my holy crap. And then. The problem is that, you know, you're making these videos, you put into the ether and you hope it's doing some good. And so the numbers come in, it's data, but, you you know, it's kind of de detached from like the, the soul aspect of it. And so I think that maintaining that connection with the people, I think, is something that I would probably be intentional more from the beginning to to stay in that loop, I think, because um, it does get normalized, you know, after a certain point. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially higher level folks who are, you know, really paying attention to the data and strategy, you, you know, you look at that numbers all the time and how to optimize and such, but you, it, you have to somehow really ground yourself in the fact that one of those is actually like an entire human life with their own consciousness and nuance and universe of perspective, which is, it's pretty mind blowing. So the scale That's of it cool. is you can't grasp it with a single human brain. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because a lot of these technology enabled uh, platforms amplify our reach beyond what sort of our biology is lined up to be able to do in terms of oh, the totally. community and Dunbar's number of 150 people, stuff along those lines. Because suddenly, when you yep. <laughs> one of your videos is reaching 27 million people, it's hard for our uh, our our primitive brains to comprehend that. Um, yeah. I'm, curi I'm, I'm curious uh, what, how you feel about sort of YouTube versus Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter mm. versus TikTok versus any other emerging platforms. I personally am a huge fan of YouTube. I think that the fact that you can have a video from three years ago still be getting views today is really compelling. Yeah. I, think, I think somebody said the average life of a tweet is 14 minutes. And so I think YouTube, I, yeah. so I think that, so I think the staying power of YouTube is very compelling, but I'm curious how you see sort of the social media landscape and all the various, mm -hmm. uh, content platforms. And, uh, is it going to be YouTube and Netflix winning the game at the end of the day? Or where do you see, uh, sort of the nature of these platforms and content in general going over the next five, 10 years? Yeah. I mean, I do believe that, I mean, I, I don't think YouTube is going to go away anytime soon. I think it's actually only the beginning of the game and, you know, kind of seeing the momentum and where it is, like it'll probably continue to grow and it's only I, I think i think it's still only at the beginning and it is it is i think the one of the more viable places to build like a substantial you know following or career or your just trajectory for you know for one's you know content whereas you know i haven't spent as much time on these other platforms you know of like tiktok or twitter and, and whatnot but like um uh like i don't know it's uh it, it reminds me somewhat Maybe Twitter, not so much, but like TikTok, for example, I am curious to see how long it will go just because it's mm. such short form content that, you know, I, I guess they are appealing to creators in terms of, you know, enabling folks to monetize and such. But but like in terms of like a 
sustain growth to kind of grow the content and, and make things that are truly like evergreen and like kind of stand the test of time and are able to stick around and you can kind of build on that. I'm not sure if it's as optimal. Whereas YouTube, it's like, you, you know, ideally, if you do make good content, especially for the folks just, you know, really focused on making quality things, you can go back. You're right. Like see things that, you know, were made for like a couple years ago and, and kind of, you know, have it evergreen and growing at the same time. Though it's like the future is always headed towards like like streaming in real time, right? So the platforms that you're going to see continue to grow and just do well, in my opinion, just from you know looking at the overall trajectories, things that are eliminating the barrier between the audience and the creator and brings them closer and closer. Uh, whether it's live, you know, like Twitch or you know Twitter, you know, real time, you see these updates or like you know, there's there's probably going to be some kind of AR VR thing where you're like in the room. Or like some John Malkovich thing where you're going to like put on a headset and you can become Brad Pitt for like a day or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's going to, it's always going towards connecting people more and more. So whatever platform does that the best is just going to succeed. But I mean, all that to say, you know, I, I, that, that's maybe only like uh, a small inkling of, you know, what the, what the possibilities are. I have no idea, but YouTube, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't speak too much to other platforms, but I think YouTube's still just at the start. I think it's going to stick around for a long while and it's, it's, it's a good place to build. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I, I very much agree. So I'm going to take it one step further. I'm curious with regard to sort of your, your understanding of the landscape and how information is disseminated across these various platforms. Do you foresee there being a future where, there needs to be sort of regulation of some sort, whether it's treating Facebook as a utility or something along those lines, because there's mm-hmm. because of the the power of information and disinformation that can be spread and how that affects sort of public awareness and public sentiment about certain hot button issues. Do you foresee there being a, uh, I guess regulation is probably the best word for it. Do you foresee something like that in the future? And if so, what, what might it look like? I do. As for what it looks like, that's such a complicated, nuanced question that's so difficult. I think that the, the the best thing to do is like, you know, at first of all, just hit up the experts who are just doing this full time on all these platforms and kind of get together to figure out what that nuance balances in between. Because, you know, I was watching this video where the engineers were talking about if you make it too free for all, then it's way too much information flow that's way too hard to wade through. On the other hand, if you you know, make the algorithm a little bit too more tilted in one direction versus the other, then you start, you know, kind of programming people essentially. And so you have to find that middle balance. So there's neither going to be a world where you're never programming anybody because everyone's being programmed by all this information. And there's also not going to be a world where people are not making super controversial content like, you know, Alex Jones or these guys that get a ton of engagement because, you know, they're, they're kind of creating content that you can't help but react to, right? So I don't know. It requires kind of the this this meritocratic. I think maybe like a I don't know. Ideally, some kind of group of like super wise, amazing, very information. You know, people with a lot of information. Some kind of council, I guess. To yeah, I you know I I do believe there should be regulation. But what the lines are, I'm not quite sure. That's that's it's it's for the experts to figure out. I think but I'm nominating you to be a part of that secret council. <laughs> yeah, Ian. That was a that, that, that secret was a, council. Yeah, that's yeah. That was that was a good answer. I I agree. I think it's really scary because we don't really. 
I, I think it's hard to fully grasp the impact and the ability of some of the big sort of content platforms that we have, especially when yeah. at its core, you still have the conversation. And I mean, I still remember Mark Zuckerberg defending this in front of Congress, the conversation of is mm-hmm. Facebook a platform or a publisher? And then yeah. there's the argument yeah. that it's a platform for people to put out their own ideas. Therefore, Facebook is not responsible for it. But at the same time, Facebook's algorithm is curating and prioritizing certain types of content. So is, does yeah. that mean that there's some sort of editorial control in terms of programming what information does and doesn't get shown to somebody? And would that oh, make them okay. a publisher? It's a really, really difficult conversation. And I think it's going to be something that sort of we grapple with for the rest of this decade and into the future. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's neither this nor that, right? And that's something I've been thinking about. It's got to be a combination of the best sides of both, like an integration, because there's really no way you can make it either or. But but it's hard. I mean, it's going to require, I mean, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of damage, you know, kind of a lot of side effects and whatnot. And But with that, I think, but I do have hope and I'm optimistic that, you know, people will figure it out because at least, you know, if you see like the, the reaction after Social Dilemma came out and things like that, there is a lot of growing awareness and interest in this. And so, Gen Z, I have a lot of faith in them too. They're growing up with this, and as they come across, you know, their own issues and kind of realize things, I think they are aware. And people who come into positions positions of power with that awareness over the next decade or two, like you know, I have a lot of faith that they will they'll figure it out. You know, it'll take time, but together we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting. I I get the sense that you have something that's a bit rare, which is like a real responsibility, like. That would actually be something that's a bit scary to me if I had a giant audience of dedicated Dude. followers who are watching everything oh, yeah. I'm consuming. Like, and we have oh, plenty yeah. of evidence that content can indoctrinate people fairly easily, especially on YouTube oh, with the way the algorithm yeah. is formatted. Like, how many of those discussions happen in a large uh, company that's making videos that are getting millions and millions of views, and you have all these subscribers? Oh, my gosh. Like, like, how important is that? I get the sense that you guys have an outsized importance on that responsibility compared to other channels. It is a huge responsibility. I can't speak for anyone else. And, and to be honest, we're just a small group of people. You know, as of as of when I left, it was less than 30 folks, maybe like 25 full time. But every mm-hmm. video has that conversation. And, you know, starting from the inception in terms of what the topic is, um, whether or not that should even be approached. You know, the hard line that we set for ourselves internally was that if anybody is purposely um, trying to hurt others or silence their voices, that they would not be given a platform. So that's a hard line. And everything after that still gets a little bit blurry. But, you know, my personal opinion, I, I, you know, I differ from other folks at Jubilee, just to kind of be clear on this. But my opinion is that, you know, if there's kind of like, overwhelming like scientific proof or consensus of the validity of a certain truth or you know way of doing things that that should be prioritized in conversations and highlighted more so for example in my opinion you know personally speaking i'm not speaking on behalf of jubilee here but we did a middle ground with flat earthers and scientists i was just gonna bring that up yeah yeah Yeah. one of the most successful middle grounds i don't even know how many views it has by now but probably over 10 million like 15 15 million look at that so Obviously, that's going to do well. I clicked right? it. I mean, it's a sexy <laughs> title. It's it's like you watch it. You, you're looking forward to the, you know, the the, the incredible, you know, intense conversations. Anyways, I mean, you know, it's in my mind, you, this is not a debate to talk about the the objective truth of whether or not the Earth is round. In my opinion, I think the the way we could have done that better is to 
highlight the conversation about why people got to the point where they did in terms of what they believe, but not the matter of fact that the earth is actually round or not. And so I think that's something that we could have framed better personally, because, you know, this is interesting. If we go into the conversation about human consciousness, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, reading about this, this model called spiral dynamics, and there's these le different levels of consciousness, right? There's tier one consciousness, which is every, every level of consciousness in tier one believes that it is the right way. It is the right, you know, uh, view over everything else. Whereas tier two realizes there's, you know, good things to hear from every level and integrates it all together. So anyways, we have to get to a tier two level consciousness, you know, mode of being and, and kind of, you know, way of creating content. The problem with uh, that episode of Middle Ground in a, and some other episodes, in my personal opinion, is that we treated all perspectives as completely equal in terms of how much truth they had to offer or how much uh, how much like validity they had instead of discerning and and kind of taking the good things from each side and kind of highlighting you know what we know to be true, which is like the Earth is round. But let's talk about this other thing of like, hey, you know, personally, this is how I got here and why I you know why I even believe that. And let's talk about the, the systems or, you know, the, the systemic issues that kind of led to this happening. And so what I'm saying is, uh, you know, th there, there's a lot of confusion today, you know, and, and, you know, the, the primary thing that people are focused on is let's give everyone a voice. The problem is if you treat yeah. everyone's voice as completely equal without discerning who might be actually a little bit closer to, you know, some truth or not, then you start, you know, then you start equating like uh, skinheads to exactly the same as like Mother Teresa, which is just not true at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, this is a complicated question. And I think it's something everybody with a platform kind of wrestles with and gets criticism no matter what they do. I know Joe Rogan gets a lot of criticism for this, which is sort of like yeah. if you have people on, I mean, everybody individually holds a few crazy beliefs, most likely, right? Yeah, And, it, and it's 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 kind of like, when you give a platform to someone, you're giving a platform to those beliefs as well. I mean, I think the problem mm -hmm. is when you have a, a debate like flat earth versus round earth, one side is obviously correct, right? To any sane person, yes. right? Like, Absolutely. otherwise, how would they even fly to the city, you know, to, to do the debate? <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. make, there's, it breaks down immediately. Like, you can step yeah. outside and it breaks down. Like, it's really not yep. hard to do. Um, uh, should I do another 20 minutes on, no, 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 we're good, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Are you sure you're at this plan? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. And that's why I clicked that video. The problem is yeah. that, like, it, it reminds me of, I remember, one of the most amazing things I ever watched, it was after that school shooting in Florida where the mm. kids kind Stone of became Douglas, yeah. like prominent media voice. Yeah, yeah. I forget what it was. Yes, yeah. no, Stoneman I forget what it was. Stone, what was it? Stoneman Douglas, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember the NRA, put, their lead spokesman came and did a town hall with all of the survivors mm. of the school shooting and their parents. And I was like, oh, wow. This lady is the bravest. <laughs> like, are you yeah. kidding me? Like, like wow. you couldn't you couldn't be in a worse situation in terms of debating, right? Because an entire yeah. basketball arena was against her, and she was on stage answering questions Dang. from like parents whose kids had died in a school shooting, right? And yet she did fine because there's a way of talking to where you can never you'll see it in, in political debates as well. There's a way of talking rhetorically that you'll never actually lose an argument like you can just talk around. Ah, the so if yeah. you watch and if you watch okay. the Jubilee video with flat earthers versus 
earth is the shape that it is, <laughs> like <laughs> you'll notice the flat earthers won't be convinced. They can talk around it. Like they're not going to change oh, yeah. their minds, at least in public. Maybe they'll go home and oh, change their minds. But it's like a big yeah. problem with, with the platform debate. And it's why I don't see a clear answer to this question. Like um, if you have a provocateur, like a Milo Yiannopoulos or something on your show to get views, mm. like, it, you know, there's an argument that it's kind of on the responsibility of the listener to, to figure it out. Now, the problem in it your is, case yeah. and a lot of people's cases is that these are young minds and young minds are easily molded by compelling yes. like orators. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it becomes a very complex, messy issue to me. I don't know. I'll, I'll pass it to you now. <laughs> well, I, I don't have a clear answer either. And I, I think, first of all, it, it does require the media creators to realize how much ownership and responsibility they have. You know, if you know, when I first joined the company, it was literally four people, right? And we're just trying to figure out how to make these formats that, that just do well to just, you know, sustain the company, essentially. And then over a period of time, I'm not sure where we crossed the line. We went from a small, you know, small ragtag group of, you know, young people trying to just create a media company to a pretty much like a mainstream platform where people are looking at us and being extremely, you know, uh, very looking closely at, you know, any mistakes we might make. And so, you know, that that's a good thing in terms of elevating the work. But I, I do think... Um, you know, there's no there's no point where a media creator crosses the line and realizes they've graduated and become like a, a, a platform that has so much influence and power. But I do think there's there. I don't know whether it's the platform itself or some kind of, you know, more just spreading the message for anyone really, really creating anything on any scale is is that, you know, there's there's there is immense power to kind of, you know, whatever is being channeled, you know, whatever is in the content. And even if it's not spoken overtly, you know, just the way of being, it always comes across in the content, um, which, which has an incredible effect. And so, you know, the first sort of business is getting your own individual brain straightened out to begin with, like your own lens, right? You know, the Bible even talks about, it's like, you know, don't look to other people to change them. It's examine yourself and your own biases. And, you know, the fact of the matter is if anything is triggering or offensive to you, it probably is a mirror for something within yourself that just needs to be examined, right? And so, that yeah. self work, incredibly difficult though it is, I think is a is a first step. And then you know, only then can you only start to begin to approach like a clean platform to kind of see clearly, I think, what to highlight or not, which is still very hard. But the self work, you know, first and foremost. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the things you mentioned on your uh, on your questionnaire is uh, the sort of the role of artists and how they how they sort of interact with our worlds. And you said that that uh, some artists are unintentionally pawns. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh yeah, I mean that's just me realizing like after I graduated that you know I I was. I came from the completely artsy side and I was like, Hey, it doesn't matter if I'm a starving artist as long as I'm doing the work I want to do. And then, yeah, that and then I ended up living in a basement tool shed in Michigan with no heat for like six months. <laughs> I yeah. realized yeah. I need some money. Um, so, I mean, the way our society and general uh, world of business is set up is that, you know, biz businessmen are, I mean, not, uh, all, all blessed, you know, bless business and businessmen i'm not trying to put down anybody here but generally speaking the the folks who are just the shot callers and the people making the biggest decision are are people who are hiring the artists instead of you know you know i i love um 
you know how Kanye said in an interview one time, obviously it's super controversial and everything, but regardless, I love Kanye. But anyways, he was saying like, why doesn't Travis Scott, you know, have a CEO or why doesn't like, why don't artists who have, you know, an amazing voice have, you know, their whole company of like a hundred people working for, you know, the, their voice or like Vincent Van Gogh have his own, like, you know, just company of people just optimizing his own work and, you know, and getting out there because, you know, if you find an artist who has a truly unique voice that has something like nobody has seen before and can open people's eyes to totally something new, like that deserves pushing, you know? And instead of it being optimized for that, I think we live in a world where there's a lot of using of artists for other means of, of profit or gain in terms of, you know, I felt it in advertising, right? Um, kind of, you know, it's, it's, there are a lot of people who do want to kind of express themselves and, and kind of get out there and, and do good art. But unfortunately, a lot of them get caught in advertising because that's where the money is and that's how to sustain. Uh, versus I do think we're headed towards a society where people value much more doing art for art's sake, which is a luxury, yeah. by the way, but, but it's going there. And so, so, you know, artists just need to be aware of that. You know, they need to learn some business skills and I think uh, they just got to, you know, create their own businesses more than working for others. Yeah. I've kind of, that's a shift I've recognized like m firstly in music, but I guess it applies to all art in general is that it's this weird paradox of it's never been easier to create art. Like the bar yeah. of these, of acquiring the technologies and the tools you need is astoundingly low compared to the past. Like oh what would have cost you a million dollars in the past you can do for free now. Right. It's just yeah. time and you can do it on your iPhone. Right. Um, but at the same time, there's so many fucking talented people. There's so much content. Like it's never been harder to make a living as a creator, even though it's easier <laughs> than ever to make like quality creative output. Like there's just yeah. so much good shit that it gets watered down. But yeah, it, yeah. it's it's interesting. I'm I'm kind of reminded. Um, you said something earlier about people watching the videos and, and getting triggered by certain topics. Like, I think that's something we recognize. Stand-up comedians will be the first persons to, to say this. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. People are only yeah, offended by things that are personal to them, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Like, any given topic will, uh, like, if you make uh, an autism joke, right? The people that have no connection to autism will be like, oh, they're just joking, you know what I mean? And then the people with mm -hmm. autistic children will be, some of them will be offended, right? Like, sure. there's a certain evolution as an audience member, which is, like, placing yourself outside of your personal biases when you're consuming something or watching something right and i felt like partly what you guys were doing at jubilee is trying to erase that or kind of help that evolution along is that correct or or am i making something up here i think i think uh, i mean the way i perceive it is you know we try to humanize people and so you know middle ground if you've never you know met like a gay person before or you know a, a, a flat earther for that matter like you know uh, you know, if you're coming in with certain labels and you realize just they just have their own life story and you hear the emotion behind the experience of, you know, like how this lady's, you know, husband who used to be curious about flat earth suddenly died in a traumatic car crash out of nowhere. And that's why, you know, there's a curiosity to, you know, kind of bring his own life back and, you know, kind of dive into this kind of stuff. And that's why, you know, this lady went down that rabbit hole. For example, there's like, when you hear the personal stories of people and you really understand the emotion behind, you know, how they got to where they are, you realize that, you know, once you have all the information, you really can't judge somebody in terms of their position and why they're at where they're at. And when you don't have that information and just looking at their position by itself, you think that, you know, they, they intentionally chose that, you know, over something that seems more rational to you personally, which is why that judgment happens. But, um, yeah, if you tell people stories, you, you just, you just, 
letting everyone know that, well, this person has a very good reason why they believe what they believe. And that that needs to be validated, first of all. You know, whatever people feel, it's always valid, right? Um, and then working from there and meeting people where they're at, I think, is, is how to make some true understanding and change and bringing people together. Um, but on the... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm curious if... Uh, so there's, there's probably a bunch of people out there that are wanting to create content and share it either YouTube or what, or any other channel. Um, if you were one of those people just getting started or interested in starting, how would you go about launching or go through the first few steps of building a, uh, a community online? Just say YouTube. Cause I guess you have the most familiarity there. Yeah, I would say, I mean, first of all, I just think that, uh, mentorship and getting information from, you know, the people who have the result, the type of results that you want, like it's, it's, you're going to get so much further, faster just by seeking out mentorship in terms of, Hey, hit up people with like, you know, anyone over a million subscribers, like probably sees pretty much every email or message they get. And so just reach out and just, you know, have a chat with them, ask them about what they do, how they do it, why they do it. Um, and then, you know, before any other content, anything else, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm always a firm believer that you have to come from the heart in terms of being genuine about what you want to create and put out there. So it's, it's kind of recognize your own voice and who you are, what you want to do. And then in terms of finding your audience, you know, make sure you're being yourself in terms of, uh, uh, how you speak and what kind of content you make. And then, you know, after that, it's just optimizing, right. In terms of understanding the YouTube algorithm, um, studying what kind of, you know, packaging does well, uh, and then really paying attention to where people are at. I think a major issue, not an issue, but a kind of, a a process that you go through as a younger artist or creator is that, you know, you make things that you think will be interesting and then you, you hope other people watch it or, you know, you put it out there and you wonder why you're only getting a hundred views and you realize no one's really interested in what you're talking about because you're just in your own head talking about what only you're interested in. So it's figuring out what other people are interested in, going to those arenas and speaking in your own voice. And the analogy I use for people when I'm explaining this is that, you know, imagine yourself as a surfer. A surfer doesn't control the waves, <clears throat> how big they are when they come in. The only thing they do is position themselves to be able to ride those waves when they happen. So the same thing goes for human attention. Given, given you know, the state of the world and what's going on, there's, there are certain things that people are paying attention to. So instead of trying to force, you know, thousands and millions of people to be interested in what you're interested in, go to where people are already interested in those stuff and then add your own opinion. And naturally, you'll get a lot more attention versus trying to just just convince people to be interested in something they're initially not, which is much harder to do. So ride the waves is what I tell Beautiful. People. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the stuff that you have going on in the horizon. Uh, please uh, share or let people know where they can get in touch with you or find out more information. And uh, what are you excited about personally and professionally for yourself for the future? Yeah, I am. I've been thinking about that a lot, actually. I, I really want to kind of get back into hands-on creating things because I've been managing some folks for a couple of years now. And I want to, I, I have thoughts of uh, making a first feature film probably within the next two years. Uh, that's a little bit of a longer term thing. In the short term, actually, I thought of, uh, you know, I'd love to share everything that I've learned with folks, you know, you know, podcasts like this. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do the next couple of weeks here is I'm going to have a few webinars where I just pretty much teach everything that I've learned, you know, all the mistakes I've made, all the things I've learned along the way, um, webinars, and then also kind of create a course for folks and everything I wish I knew when I started my journey. And I hope that can have value for, you know, college students or people, you know, entrepreneurs making their own YouTube channels or brands and um, just, uh, just 
fire hose people with all the insight that I know just so just so I can add some value to folks as well as you know kind of anyone who wants to make something meaningful um, and just to kind of add value to the world how to make that stuff you know get views and go viral right um, so I think that that that's something worth worthwhile that I'd like to do and then and then uh, this next year I'm gonna travel a bit and then um, I have one other thing I mind what's the other thing I'd mind I forget the other thing I had in mind, but if I know, I'll let you guys know. But people can You're find me on my website. A, and, uh, yeah. You're starting a Justice League of uh, YouTube regulation. Yes, the Secret Council. The Council. <laughs> yes. If you're interested in uh, joining the Avengers, just just hit me up. I'm at ianchi.com and uh, got a little email list there, and I'll keep people updated. Beautiful. Yeah. And then what's your, uh, what's your Instagram as well? Oh, Instagram is uh, Ian the Korean. I-E-N the Korean. All one word. Beautiful. And I can personally vouch for, uh, you know, on the topic of searching for mentorship. Uh, I just DM'd Ian. I had never met him before, and he responded to me. So there is hope for you out there that he'll respond to hey. you. Hey, yeah. And, um, yeah and, I, I love and, talking to people, so hit me up. Yeah, and, sh- and shout out to you, Pat, because that takes a lot of courage. A lot of people wouldn't make the the make the make make themselves uncomfortable to make that ask. I could and tell that Ian and true. I had a kinship. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I want to give credit to you and anybody else who takes that spark of initiative and looks for the positive outcomes and is aware that there might be a negative outcome, which would be either uh, no response at all or somebody being a jerk and going, fuck you, you're too small. I've Nobody ne- cares have- about you. But I'm sure that's never happened. <laughs> Has that ever happened? That's, 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 fuck that's, off. That, that's, that's, I think, what Get people... Out of here. That, yeah, Get out of here. Exactly. That's what people are scared of that dissuades them from taking that risk. And so I want to I want to commend you and say thank you to you, Pat, and thank you to you, Ian, because without those uh, without Pat messaging you and without your responding, we wouldn't have had this uh, this fantastic conversation, which has been really, really full of great insights. Definitely. Hey, man, I've met some of my best friends and amazing creators just through just through, you know, people reaching out or me reaching out. So, yeah, definitely. What are your what what are your strategies or any uh, any tips for reaching out to uh, to potential collaborators, mentors, partners or people you find interesting? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I think it's always just adding value in some way. And so versus reaching out and simply asking for advice or, you know, that's fine, too. I mean, I love giving advice and I think a lot of people, you know, totally love that, too. But if they're super high level and they're harder to reach, it's like find some way to add value in their eyes, you know, um, whatever they're interested in, what their desire is, where do they want to go? What do they want to develop? You know, if, if I were younger and I just starting out, I just do a lot more just like. I don't know, even free work for people on the side just to like get information, which is way more valuable than, you know, monetary compensation. It'll, you know, give you way more returns over the long term getting that information and those relationships. So add value, you know, simple as that. But yeah, and I'll put out like uh, if anybody wants to do free work for us uh, at Deus, free just work. Hit us up. Up. you'll learn <laughs> a fucking lot. You're gonna learn so much, <laughs> Ian. That was the best tip you could have possibly possibly given. I really appreciate you're, you're it. You're welcome. All the you're gonna get hit the, hit up by so many interns now. <laughs> Hell yeah, we'll take it. We're looking for quality interns that are interested uh, in learning and kicking ass. Hell yeah. So enchi.com, correct? That's the website for everything? I-E-N-C-H-I.com. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. Ian, this has been a blast. Uh, Sincerely appreciate your time, and we'll have to have you again in the future. Thank you guys so much. Pleasure, and uh, onward and upward. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Deus Life, an aspirational podcast, and we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.